Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Stress is um, crippling. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, this is going to be easy. I'm going to come in here, run this for a couple of years, turn it into a successful business and then sell it. Uh, little did I know, because I was going broke. I was working massive hours and things just weren't working. I felt a, a real weight of burden. Am I doing everyone a favour by not continuing? 18 months later, our revenues doubled from where it was. We're on track this year to hit sort of 3 million. I feel like if you took everything away from me again, if the business suddenly died and I had to start from scratch, I feel confident I could do it all again and it wouldn't take long before I was back where I am now. On today's episode, I interview Luke Hayhoe from Carpet Repairs, who's a member of the Million Dollar Trading Program and has built a super successful business in Auckland, New Zealand. Now, Luke has an amazing story of persistence in the face of almost overwhelming odds that saw him come close to losing his business and his home. He's turned the business around into a profitable machine and is on track to double his revenue. Tune in as Luke talks us through his challenging journey and shares all the lessons that he's learned. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back, and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. They say success leaves clues, and on today's episode of the Profitable Tradie Podcast, I interview Luke Hayhoe from Carpet Repairs. G'day, Luke. How you doing? Great, good to be here. Yeah, Thank mate, you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here today, mate. You've got a great story. And I was just going back through the notes when you joined the Million Dollar Trading Program, as, as I like to do, which is uh, which is fun. And I think it was March uh, 2022. Uh, so you just purchased the business uh, relatively re- recently and, and you'd grown it. You're sitting at around, I think, $1.5 in, in revenue. I think you had eight or so people on the team. Uh, but things weren't... You know, going that smoothly, if we're if we're honest, uh, you know, there were challenges with the team. There was problems with efficiencies. Cash flow was really patchy, and you were stretched really thin. It was a it's a really stressful time, and it was it was tough on you as well. So, can you talk us through why it was important for you to make some changes and get help when you did? Uh, it was extremely important to get help because I was going broke. I was working massive hours and things just weren't working. I wasn't making any money. I was running out of cash. I was um, uh, struggling to figure out what the problem was. I had my head in the sand. I was denying uh, the fact that there was an issue uh, to myself. It, it sort of took extreme circumstances, kind of knocked me around enough to go, oh, okay, something's wrong here. I need to, um, I need to fix this and probably the first part of that was actually just acknowledging that there was an issue. Yeah, that's definitely um, a tough thing to do, isn't it, to actually put your hand up and say, hey, things aren't going quite right, because there's a lot of, I don't know about you, mate, but uh, for me, there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if it's pride but it's or ego, but it's that kind of thing. You know, it's like you've actually, to acknowledge that there's something not right means that there's something we don't know or something we're missing, and that's, uh, I don't know about you, but I find that a little bit of a challenge to admit that. Uh, huge. I mean, it was um, deeply embarrassing. I felt like if anyone shouldn't be facing those specific financial situation, the the, the problems that I was facing, it, it was me. I um, I had a background in uh, accounting and finance, and so uh, I knew better, um, but I, I wasn't acknowledging the problem. So, like, ego was massively tied into the problem. Let's let's jump in and talk about that. So, what did you actually do before this? Because it's not a, a normal background for someone to be in carpet repairs. Uh, yeah, unusual. Not a, not abnormal. You're not abnormal, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Yeah, so I studied accounting and finance down in Otago. Um, I finished uh, my degree down there and uh, went into accounting. I worked as a CFO of some um, large businesses in Auckland. Um, and then uh, my wife and I decided to go over to London And I worked for a couple of years over in London. Uh, We got pregnant over in London, and so we wanted to come back home. And when I came back home, I was a bit sick and tired of running other people's companies and um, went looking for my own to buy and and came across this uh, unique little business that did repairs and maintenance um, within flooring, so specifically carpet. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I saw the business, thought, uh, this is a, a great opportunity. 
business operating in a niche, it had good margins, uh, good opportunity to grow, grow the company. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be easy. This is going to be super straightforward. Um, here I am with my, my training in accounting and finance. I'm going to come in here, uh, run this for a couple of years, turn it into a successful business and then sell it. Uh, little did I know how uh, complicated and difficult that journey would be. Yes, well, I think we were mentioning just before that um, business has a unique way of uh, finding the um, points for improvement in our, uh, in our personalities and in our skill set. Yeah, challenging journey to get into. Uh, certainly going through that process of, um, of running a business has identified all of the areas uh, of growth that were required. I've had the same experience many times. It's humbling. Uh, let's just jump in and talk about how that stress and the situation you went, how was that actually affecting you, know, you and, and the people around you? Um, stress is um, crippling. My experience was that I was overwhelmed by the circumstances that I was facing. I felt a, a real weight of burden um, not only to look after my, my wife and kids and make sure that the next meal would be there on the table, but also I was placed in a, in a position of responsibility for these employees that were with me on my team and their families. The stress of, of facing basically financial disaster is, is really tough. And, and you know if anyone else is there now, I, I, I get that feeling. Um, it's it really tough. Um, I think there's this there's these questions that you're asking of yourself through that time of self worth. Do I have anything to offer? Am I good at this? Can I ever be good at this? Are the mistakes that I'm that I'm making here are they irreversible? Can I can I actually get back from this or am I no good? And should I not try? Um, am I doing everyone a favor by not continuing? It's tough, and I. Uh I've been through a few businesses myself and, and been in a very similar situation. I can remember my parents-in-law actually had to buy the, the, the clothes for our kids for 18 months at one stage um, because we didn't have the ability to do that. And I think you're right, you definitely question your, your self-worth. Uh, I felt like a piece of trash, actually, to be honest. Um, and uh, I was too scared to talk to my friends about how their businesses were going because I felt so empty on the inside about, about where I was at. Uh, so it, it, that struggle is definitely real, uh, and um, if you are in that situation, you know, uh, it's that's pretty normal to feel like that. But there, there is there is definitely a way out, and maybe we should look at that because I'd love to know how does your business look now. So you know, what are the changes you've seen? Where are you sitting now with your revenue and your team and profitability and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, great. This is um, super exciting. So eighteen months later, our revenues doubled from where it was. We're on track this year to hit sort of 3 million in sales. Our gross profits somewhere between 45 and 50% and net profits somewhere up 20 to 25%. So massive uh, improvement. Uh, there's cash in the bank. I, um, in the sort of worst of it all, we, we got into a significant amount of tax debt and, and that's um, paid off. Uh, and um, that is a, a huge um, relief. Uh, so um, there's sort of 10 of us on our team. Uh, we restructured things, so we've got sort of six full-time techs in the field, and then we contract to another another six. Uh, we've got an office manager, office admin. I've got a commercial project manager, and me. Uh, my role's sort of head of sales and general management, um, and um, yeah, we're killing it and loving it. That's amazing, man. And what are the results of that meant for you and the people who are close to you? It's meant that that crippling stress that we were referring to before has dissipated. I've got time back to spend with my wife and my kids and my friends and doing hobbies and exercising and looking after myself and enjoying life and thriving. I feel like the biggest thing that I've got throughout this whole process has been the personal growth that I've been through, the change of who I am, my confidence. I feel like if you took everything away from me again, if the business suddenly died and I had to start from scratch, 
I feel confident I could do it all again, and it wouldn't take long before I was back where I where I am now. Um, and that's huge. It's it's awesome. Yeah, massive. Uh, big shout out to you because it does take a lot of strength to do that. I think some people uh, find it hard to get that strength. So um, I guess I just want to say well done uh, because I think that's another thing in business, isn't it? Often it's quite lonely and it's difficult to actually uh, celebrate your success because um, people kind of look at you sideways like, what what is wrong with this person? Uh, why are they celebrating their success? Thank you for saying so. I mean, it's a, it's a big compliment and... I agree. It's a awkward conversation to bring up around family or friends, where you go, "Hey, I made five hundred thousand dollars profit this year, and that's the result of a whole lot of hard work." You suddenly make them feel awkward and uncomfortable, and they don't know what to say or whether to encourage you for it because it's um, it potentially speaks to a moral conundrum that they have. I love that word conundrum, by the way. Uh, Phil's used that before. I love a good conundrum. Uh, well, I think the thing with, with people who are near to you, uh, family and friends who maybe aren't in business, uh, one, the concept of making $500,000 or $750,000 or a million dollars is just not something that they can understand. And two, they have no way of actually identifying with the stresses and the challenges that you're actually going through because they haven't experienced it. And they actually literally you're talking a different language to they are, and it's actually quite hard sometimes. So I think that's why getting involved with other business people, and it's one of the things I love about you know the situation we've got with the Million Dollar Trade is we can actually hang out with people who are similar and talk about that stuff. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find that really, um, I find that really life-giving, really. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It's um, quite possibly the best part about being a part of the Profitable Tradie program is that business ownership is 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 deeply lonely uh, if you if you are unable to do it with anyone else and there's there's always a a, a divide between uh, you and your staff and so other business owners who are who are going through uh, the same problems that you are or perhaps they've already been through them and they're reflecting back on what they learned through the process is just invaluable um, Partly from the camaraderie, um, partly because you you feel acknowledged, heard, understood, uh, validated in your concerns, validated in your frustrations. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I think if I had uh, you know one sort of bit of advice for people who are listening is get yourself around other people in a similar situation, and ideally people who are further down the road as well, because they'll have experienced some things that uh, and have some answers that you don't have yet. Uh, most problems in business have been solved before. We just got to find the people who've done it. Uh, it makes life a lot easier. Now you've done some great stuff and made lots of changes, uh, and uh, I think you've done some things particularly well. And I really want to focus on a few of those uh, on on the podcast today, just so we can sort of share your wisdom uh, with the listeners. And one of those areas is obviously you had this, you know, this cash flow situation, uh, and as you mentioned, you had some pretty, uh, you know, eye-watering debts to the tax office. And at one stage, you know, you were considering, well, can this business actually carry on? So can you talk us through the situation, what it was like at its toughest, like, you know, kind of the size of the hole and where you, where you were at? If you'd asked me this question at the time, I would have really struggled to uh, to engage with it. And, and part of that was just because it was so deeply embarrassing. Um, it was embarrassing because I studied accounting and finance. Uh, it was embarrassing because... Uh, my um, my wife's um, mother had passed away um, just before we got married, and she left her with an inheritance. And that inheritance was invested into our family home, and I um, bought the business with some of the money that we had saved from London and also borrowing against the house that we owned. When we sold the house eventually down the track, uh, the bank sort of forced us to uh, repay um, the, the debt that I had uh, on this business. And so that's a long way of saying my wife's inheritance money landed in the business. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this $500,000 tax debt that I owed the tax office. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, if everything goes belly up here, uh, not only am I the accounting finance professional who's thought that he could come in and run a tradie business and 
and has absolutely shanked it. But I've also done that while losing my wife's inheritance. So it was like extreme. It's a tough situation. Yeah. Look, I'd love to talk through what led to that situation. I think one thing that you mentioned is that you you've, you probably didn't really have the experience or, or know what you're doing to start with. So I imagine that's, that's something that, that didn't help. Yeah, that's right. I think that this has been a process of growth. And when I look back, I wasn't good enough. I didn't understand. I had a high tolerance for risk, so I invested heavily, quickly, not really understanding uh, the break-even points or how fast I could commit to those expenses. Um, I think that I hoped that things would get better. I stuck my head in the sand. I didn't look at the numbers. Even though I knew how to, I was running from them. I, um, I was just hoping that things would get better the next month. I mean, the truth is, I, uh, it came time to pay uh, tax, and I didn't have enough money in my bank account to do that and pay my staff. So at that point, there was already a major issue. What I would do is uh, make sure that my staff were paid. I missed my tax payment, and I promised myself that I would work twice as hard so that the next month I'd be able to pay the tax on time and pay f- the, the payment that I had missed. Uh, but the harder I worked did not resolve in the situation getting getting easier or better over yeah, time. And you said there the word hope, because I can remember in a previous business being in a similar situation, and I'd look at the numbers and I'd be like, oh, well, that's just this month. It's, it probably it should get better next month or the month after, and then it happens for two months or three months, and you, you're telling yourself this story, uh, and eventually the music stops. <laughs> and you can't bullshit yourself anymore. Uh, and I, I think that sounds similar to what's actually happened you know, when you were going through this process. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So let's talk about what you did to actually get out of that hole. What, what, what are the key things you did that actually helped you improve this? The first and the biggest one uh, is, is not as practical, but it's the most important, which is I had to acknowledge... Um, that there was a problem. I had to actually admit that. I had to ask for help. Um, There is a humility that needs to come before anything else changes. So you could have come and told me what the answer was uh, in terms of how to get out of it. But if I wasn't in a place where I was ready to listen, ready to change, I don't think anything would have changed. What did I actually do? What did I practically do? There were about a thousand different changes that, yeah. <laughs> that were made. Uh, I did things like um, uh, I looked at my pricing. I looked at um, where, um, uh, like doing your back costing, looking at where you were making money, where you weren't making money. Uh, I looked at um, the overheads that we were committed to. Um, I uh, restructured our team. I looked at the type of work that we were doing. Um, I um, worked out how, like where, where the, the profitable and bigger jobs were coming from, um, a, a really big part of um, turning the business around and making it profitable is learning how to um, maximise the amount of um, money that you can make off the overheads that you're currently running. Uh, so it's a whole bunch of things, isn't it? It's it's like you get in the situation with a death by a thousand paper cuts, and kind of the reverse is true to get out of it. Uh, and I think a couple of things you've touched on there I've seen has been massive. Uh, one is actually understanding what work is profitable, and and what's not really profitable, and and looking for more of the profitable work because you've only got a certain number of technician or tradespersons hours that you can bill, and if you bill them for shitty work. It's a massive opportunity cost. If you can switch it to more profitable work, that makes a lot more gross margin. Uh, obviously, trimming the overheads is a really key part of it to make sure they're appropriate for your revenue level. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily slashing everything to bits because if you do that, it's very hard to grow. Uh, so it's getting the balance right. Uh, so I think that's important. Um, what, and I love the mindset thing. So I guess this, this ties into the next question that I have is, what advice would you have for business owners who you know, are listening and find themselves in a similar situation? What's the, the one or two things you would do to get started? The first question that you have to engage with is 
like, as I was saying before, you, you really you do need to reach a point where you've decided that you're actually going to change. Um, a, a very big part of that is, is, is understanding why you're changing. Um, there's this saying that Jim Rohn has, which is, you know, you don't need more ideas, you need more reasons. What it means to me is if you have a clear idea of where you're going, what the point of this all is, um, and you've you've almost written that down and made it crystal clear in your mind of, of what you're trying to achieve and why, you feel committed to the outcome, it brings about motivation. With that, you can start engaging with these with these questions, which is, okay, well, how am I actually going to fix this? Um, and I think that the first place in terms of actually fixing anything is fixing yourself. Uh, in order for things to change, you have to change. Um, I, I found that the reason that I got into that situation and the way that I got out of it was because, quite frankly, I wasn't good enough. I didn't know how to run a, a business that was successful at the level of, of business uh, that I was running. And in order to learn to be successful, in order to become successful, I needed to learn what it took to be a, a business owner um, uh, that was running a successful company. What are, what are the things that you need to do uh, in order to get your mindset right? Uh, in order to lead well, in order to coach your team. Um, on this podcast, like I've listened to every episode. I, I love it. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, there are concepts that you, that you talk about here, like um, how can you feel comfortable about um, charging clients a particular price? Uh, this was a really big one for me is that I... Um, a, a massive change and a, a massive reason for coming out of... Um, the dark hole was learning to feel comfortable um, charging not on a time-based economy but um, on a result or, or a value-based. So um, going, you know, hey, we're going um, to charge the customer not out of my own pocket but out of what this is worth to them, which opens up this fascinating uh, conversation of basically going, well, what is valuable to a customer? And then how can we improve things like team uniforms, sign writing on your van, um, how you articulate the scope of work that you're offering to supply uh, in your quotes. What do the quotes actually look like? What does the email look like that you send them? Do you have like a, a loom video as you send the quote? Um, when the technicians arrive on site, what do they actually do? How do they treat the customer? Um, how do you improve that entire experience so as you answer these particular questions um, there is this association with the charge rate that you are charging your clients so you increase your prices as you feel more confident with the with the service that you're providing which helps you to look at the service that you're providing and improve it and get better at it and you spiral upwards you sort of um, extract more value from the jobs that you're doing while simultaneously creating clients that love you forever. That's And that's the sweet spot because uh, to deliver great value, you actually have to charge a premium price so that you can put the work in that's required to deliver great value. And I think you've hit on an amazing point there. Pretty much everyone ever who I've seen have cash flow problems has a margin problem. They're not getting enough from their jobs means typically they're not pricing enough and sometimes it's a productivity issue. Normally it's both. The easiest one to fix is the pricing <laughs> by far uh, and um, and in that pricing is that mindset issue of worthiness, of, of value. So I think that's, um, that's a gold nugget right there. I'd love to switch it around to look at the revenue side of things as well. So you've, you've made obviously some great gains in revenue. I think you're on track to double, uh, which is amazing. So what have been the, the drivers of that revenue growth? One of them just off the back of what we're talking about, is uh, increasing prices. So as you uh, increase your prices, doing the same amount of work, you're obviously going to end up with more revenue. Um, beyond that, uh, I focused on um, a whole range of different things. 
Um, but I'll, I'll talk about one of the main ones, which was I had this problem and it was as I was noticing that our clients were becoming more and more price sensitive, specifically as a result of interest rates uh, rising, uh, the cost of, of living getting more expensive, people had less disposable income to be able to send my way. Uh, so what I was finding was there was less leads coming through and that they were getting converted at a lower rate. And I thought, oh man, I've got a, I've got a real problem here. Um, in one of the, um, the boot camps, I, I came into that, um, this is a profitable trading boot camp, um, and I, I came into it with a question which was, like, how do I reverse this trend? How do I get more leads and how do I get them converting at a higher rate? How do I um, um, solve this problem? And I expected that the answer that I was going to uh, find was uh, I need to really focus on my um, follow-up process. Um, once I've sent a quote, how do I um, chase a, a client to see whether or not um, they want to go ahead with the job? Or maybe it was how do I articulate um, uh you know, what we're actually providing uh, as a service and make sure that that value was being communicated really well. Um, I thought it could have been a whole range of different things. And um, what I was met with was a was basically this answer, um, which was, why are you trying to convince um, people who, are, who have become extremely price sensitive, they don't have uh, money to spend? Why are you trying to convince them or put all of your energy into convincing them that um, they should spend their money with you. Um, why not spend that same sort of energy um, going out and finding clients that do have money and are willing to spend it uh, easily? And so this sort of, um, there was this quantum shift in the way that I was thinking about the problem. And um, so I, I left that conference and, and um, went looking for clients that did have money uh, that were willing to spend it, and so I um, I looked further afield than than our our usual client base. Um, I got into um, government tenders, so we do now we do a lot of work for Ministry of Education and Ministry of Corrections. We do work for New Zealand Police and Turners and Growers and Placemakers, and it was uh, finding clients that had um, money to spend and were it was looking for a home. Um, and there was a process of um, finding those clients and then basically establishing what it was that they that they needed. They were a uh, a different beast. It was a, a bigger client. Um, clients like when you're working for the government, there's this massive advantage where you're not worried about them falling over and not being able to pay their bill at the end. So that was huge. Um, it also felt like the bigger the client that I got, the fuller the schedule became and so uh, when I was um, running around trying to fill my schedule before I felt like um, there's this principle that w we've talked about which is um, related to priorities and it, it revolves around big rocks, medium rocks, small rocks and sand and the concept here is you want to put um, big rocks in, in the jar first followed by ever smaller sizes yeah, of pebbles rocks. and your sand going next. And, yeah. and, and the point is is that you can you can pack out your your schedule, your your time um, with the things that are really important in life. Now that principle of of big rocks, um, medium rocks, small rocks, sand uh, also applies to the way in which you fill your your technicians' time in their schedule. So the bigger job that you get, uh, the more of the schedule becomes filled out and so when you start to get all of these smaller little jobs that come in, they just tend to fit around the, the bigger, massive, big projects that you've got uh, a whole lot easier. And so I found basically that um, the time that I spent chasing down big clients was, was worth far more than any of the time that I spent chasing down the smaller jobs because it filled out a massive chunk of the schedule all of the other work that we otherwise would have got anyway just fit in around it. Our schedules were full. The guys were, um, the, the labour utilisation was huge through the roof. We were um, uh, maximising um, the ability to make money off, off these fixed um, overhead costs that we have. Profitability went through the roof. 
and we did that consistently month after month after month and so the way that the revenue really changed was changing where the work come from came from so it wasn't just a matter of diversifying it was the size of those jobs in amongst what we we're already doing and there's a there's a pointer and if you're listening you might be thinking i'm a plumber or i'm an electrician or i'm a painter glazer landscaper i'm, I'm not going to go do carpet repairs the point here is that if you have a if you have a cash flow problem and you have a margin problem, you often have a marketing problem, and the marketing problem is your target market. It's who you're actually getting your work from, and so the big strategy shift sometimes is to shift from low margin work and market into high margin work, or do more marketing so you've got more choice and you can work with clients who are less price sensitive. And they are out there for every business, even when uh, you know the economic times are a little bit slower. And that's really one of the big keys to success, and I think you've done that, you know, done that exceptionally well. I'll, I'll just say one other thing here. There is a, a really um, interesting but also hilarious point, which is that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anyone else of doing this, which is as a business owner to complain about the fact that my marketing's not working, and then someone asks me, okay, well, what are you doing? And then my answer to that being, oh, not much. <laughs> like... <laughs> I can't find good stuff. Oh, well, what are you doing about it? Oh, nothing. I don't even have a job advertisement on, <laughs> on, on online. Yeah. Um, conceptually, I think, I think we, we, we face issues, whether it's the amount of leads that are, that are coming in, you know, how is your marketing performing? And you go, oh, you know, I've got a real, a real issue. Um, but if you, were, if you were actually honest with yourself and you asked yourself the question, okay, well, to what degree have you committed yourself to this? Um, certainly at the start, I would have felt like I was doing lots and in reality actually doing nothing. And that was the power of the accountability that this course uh, brought was basically going, okay, well, so you've got a problem, you've identified what it is, what are you actually doing about it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, nothing changes uh, with nothing. Uh, and I think with marketing too is a big mistake is a lack of activity. Just, just, uh, and often that's predicated. Lack of activity comes from actually a lack of knowledge, which means we feel, you know, kind of anxious or, or afraid about what to do because we don't know whether it works. And uh, getting yourself educated is a massive part of improving your market. You don't have to be the world's best marketer, but you have to know how to ask the right questions and have a sensible discussion about it and at least hold people accountable who are going to do it for you, hold them accountable. Uh, as a business owner, that's part of the price of having a successful business. And it's actually not that complicated if you spend a bit of time on it. Uh, and if you've passed a trade, you can definitely do that. It's, it's easier than that. So um, I think that's a, that's a really good observation. Let's talk about profitability. Uh, let's really jump into that. And we've touched on it a bit. What do you actually do on a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month basis to actually hit strong profit margins? One of the essential places to start is actually um, back-costing jobs and establishing whether or not uh, you are making money on each of the jobs that are done. So even if uh, you didn't, and I suggest that you absolutely do, and this was a key component, but if you didn't price the job for a particular gross profit margin, if you were analysing how the jobs actually landed at the end and were adjusting your pricing as a result, it would dramatically improve your profitability and then if you add on top of that having different target gross profit margins for the different specific types of work that you do and there is a process within that 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 is trial and error which is continue to bump prices until you see that the money that you're making overall has actually been detrimentally affected you know, one of the questions that you're asking is, how much can I increase these yeah, prices? Where does conversion suffer? Yes, exactly. Part of that issue is that if you're not tracking the information, you don't know, and you have to go off gut feel. So it's really helpful to track your conversion. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're wanting to get that profitability, my advice is you need to back cost the jobs. You need to actually find out how they're going. You need to set targets for what you want to be making. Track your your conversion rate off the quotes that you're sending out. And then, as I'm sure everyone's aware, it's about all of the other stuff that goes into this, which is uh, about the efficiency of, of your labour, of your team getting out there, achieving jobs um, within timeframes that you've set. Well, you've talked a lot about um, back costing and looking at jobs on sort of that micro level. 
what do you do on a you know a weekly or a monthly basis with your with your financials in terms of the accounts that you run, uh, and what do you do there? I run um, sort of a monthly um, profit and loss, and then I compare that against uh, what I budgeted to do. Um, monthly is helpful, and it's a good sort of time period to look at. But it sometimes you can have a great month and feel awesome, and sometimes you can have a terrible month and feel rubbish. And I find that looking at a rolling quarter uh, is a is a more helpful way to look at the recipe or the or the the current performance of the business and and you know, maybe you call it a run rate where it's how the business is performing now and, and the changes that you're making, um, you can see them played out as, as time goes on. Um, so you're you're not looking at the month and going, God. That's, I mean, that's a funny thing you say because I so often see the, the uh, mojo and the uh, smile of the business owner is dependent on that month's profitability. It's like, great month, I'm on top of the world, or this is a terrible month, I need to basically you know, dig a hole and bury myself. Uh, and we know that in, in contracting-type businesses, sometimes the cash flow and the workflow can be a bit lumpy and there's work in progress and all sorts of crazy shit going on. Uh, so I think taking that, that rolling average of three months actually really allows you to see the trends that are emerging, and that's really what you, you, know, what you want. Uh, so I think that's a that's a great piece of advice. Let's um let's talk about the stress a little bit. We've talked about it a bit before, and obviously had a massive impact on you. What would you what have you actually done to help yourself stay on top of the stress levels? This is really important because, um, as I was saying before, stress can be crippling, and the last thing that you need when you're facing some serious financial consequences is to be completely ineffective. What do I do to stay on top of my stress? So. Um, you have to look after number one. You have to realise that the biggest asset that you have, the thing that's going to make all the difference is uh, is is you, that no one's going to suddenly come in and save the day and, um, and fix everything for you. Uh, it's on your shoulders and that can, that can stress you out or the alternative way of thinking about it is going, I really need to look after myself here. So there's no point staying up half the night, getting completely run down and burnt out and getting to a point where you're, as I say, ineffective at work or um, you're so tired that your brain's just not working the next day. Um, it can also lead to um, serious consequences where you burn out, you're depressed, you um, you just don't have the ability to, to well, function anymore. Yeah, it affects your, your relationships and, and the whole, whole of your life. Totally. So what have I found that helps? Uh, what I've found that helps is... Um, setting a hard and fast uh, time that I, I wake up in the morning. Um, I, uh, and what that means is that I, I get pretty exhausted by the time that I get into the evening and it forces me to go to bed. Um, I try to keep a set sort of bedtime as well and make sure that I get um, sleep, but really it's the waking up in the morning that's, that makes all the difference. Um, getting outside into nature, going for walks, uh, uh, I love going into the bush um, and going for hikes. Um, I, I like deer stalking and hunting, and to the degree that I can, I'll, I'll try to do that. But it's sometimes it's just um, too difficult to find the time to um, go away for days on end. But I can always find time to go for a half an hour walk, and it will revitalize me massively. Um, healthy eating, taking care of yourself. Um, uh, so. To me, there's a difference between um, exercise and, and going for that kind of walk for my for my mental health. Um, so um, I count them as two separate things and, and, and focus on doing both. Um, you, a problem shared is a problem halved. So the stress that you feel um, under the circumstances of, of what you're under um, is it's, it's easy to handle when you've admitted a problem, you've talked about it with, um, with close friends or advisors and, um, and that they're offering suggestions um, for um, ways to move forward. Um, it's one of those things where you, again, spiral upwards or spiral downwards. So if you feel like you're actively acknowledging the problem and working towards resolving it, um, it can be inspiring, it can release the stress, it can feel like you're making progress and as you see progress being made, it invigorates you to 
try harder and push more. Um, so, yeah, how do you handle stress? You look after yourself first and, and foremost. You put your own oxygen mask, mask on. on. Yeah. yeah, killer. Uh, team is a big part of success and challenge uh, for all of us in business. Uh, so what have been the, the main sort of frustrations that you've found uh, coming in as a business owner? Uh, I know you've had team before uh, at, you know, in your past life, uh, but it's different when it's your business. So what are those frustrations that you've, that you've faced? The biggest when you're running your own business is, is one where you are convinced that no one cares as much as you do and no one tries as hard as you do and no one's going to do as good a job as you. And so you're, certainly speaking from my personal experience, I found it difficult to trust um, when I handed over the reins of a task. I worried they would let things slip that were essential, that were crucial. Um, uh, It was also, um, I mean, we've all been there, but it's just super frustrating when you get, um, you know, a text message at six o'clock in the morning about some pathetic reason about why they can't make it in to work and you, and you go, yeah, no, don't you don't you care about this thing and don't you know the stress that I'm under the and red, don't you know the red mist descends. <laughs> it's like oh. I've actually got I've actually got PTSD, I think I used to own a restaurant and I uh, had a lot of, you know, part time people and the the phone calls before shifts and it's like, oh I've got to find someone else to work and half the time you'd end up doing the shift when you already worked all the hours that God had sent. So I actually am scared of answering the phone now. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, with with those frustrations, Luke, what have you? What have you? I think you've done a good job in this. What have you done to actually build a, a strong team, a motivated team, and a productive team? One of the key things here is to understand that there are drivers, that there are things that sit beneath the surface in terms of what motivates individuals, what motivates us uh, as people. It's important to. Um, to build a team culture, but what, what does that mean? Uh, well, what it means is is identifying what you stand for, what's important, what is valuable. Um, it's really difficult to do that if you don't have team buy-in to that process. So rather than just sitting down one day, deciding on all of those things and telling your team members that that's what they should be um, living and working and um sort of getting on board with you invite them into that process uh, ask for them to commit to a a, a set of um, uh, values and a set of um, ways of doing things rules of the game um, that you've that you've built together as a team and then hold them accountable to that uh, we um, ran a uh, we run a champion of the month um, trophy uh, so the, the concept behind this is finding ways to um, reward the behaviour that we're uh, that we're looking to see. Um, and I, you know, when you say reward the behaviour, you kind of sound like a parent with kids. And um, I know Phil often talks about the parenting books and being able to remove the word child and replace it with employee. Um, and it's true. What I'm saying is, at the core, most people. And I haven't seen the exception to this rule, but most people want to feel um, heard, understood, safe, appreciated, valued, that they have a place, that the, that the energy that they put into something is, um, is worthy, is worthwhile. And appreciated, um, as you said. Definitely. Um, so when you reward your team member in front of everyone else and you, and you say, hey, um, you know what you did was um, um, was awesome for these reasons, and for us, we, you know, we have a um, a champion of the month trophy. So we um, made a, a golden knee kicker, and we award that to our our team member with a a little cash prize. And and if you looked at it at first glance, it would be insignificant because it was um, such a small thing. But it's it's huge in its um, underlying themes. Um, so. Um, to be recognised in front of others is is massive, and it's um, it's always tied back to the core values that we built together as a team and and committed to and agreed to together. So mindset's been a big 
uh, theme of our discussion today, and obviously it's massive for success. So what are the, the key mindset changes that you've had to make to achieve the success that you that you have? So I love this question. I love it because I think this is uh, underpins all of um, the change that I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, it's just huge, and it's it's a really simple concept, but it's it, you can just keep digging uh, in terms of understanding it. The biggest mindset change that I had was understanding that in order for things to change, in order to the circ- for the circumstances that I was facing to change, um, it had to start with me. I had to change. Um, so another way of saying that was uh, the circumstances that you're currently facing are a result of what you have attracted by the person that you have become, the lessons that you've learned, the um, skills that you've gained up until that point. So if you're if you're sitting there right now, today, facing the same sort of circumstances that I was facing, heaps of tax debt, no money, uh, you're 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 actively losing it, and you're worried about everything going wrong. You could look at that scenario and you could say, I'm unlucky. Things just didn't work out here the way that I hoped that they would. Um, it, it feels unfair. Or you could look at that situation and say, I'm facing these circumstances because I'm not good enough and I need to grow and learn and change and embrace uh, that growth uh, in order for the circumstances to be different, um, so this is this is huge, and I think that that change in mindset um, just absolutely released um, the next level of of development for me was was understanding that I I needed to um, I needed to first start with myself. So I would I would face a problem like um, there would be a team member who was. Um, was acting up and, and I was like, ah, oh, man, I just need to get better staff. I, I need to find people who are going to um, do a better job of, of whatever it is that I was facing. But the truth is, is that when I looked at it, I, I wasn't actually a particularly good boss. I wouldn't hold people um, to a standard. I wouldn't keep them accountable. I didn't spend very much time coaching. Um, I hadn't really engaged with concepts of uh, how do you hire well? Um, how do you find the right people? Um, how do you run uh, a, um, a sort of a performance improvement program or a, um, a way of bringing people up to the standard that you wanted to be the man? I, I th- basically, what I'm saying is that I thought it was somebody else's problem. I didn't think it was mine. Um, so this headset change just released everything where it was uh, a concept of extreme ownership. Everything became my problem, not in a bad way, in a, in a really good way, in a way that empowered me, that said, I can't do everything, but I can do these things, and I'm going to engage with them um, as as earnestly as I, as I can. And I saw massive change as a result of growing and getting better and becoming more skilled and learning how to coach my team or learning how to sell um, or um, uh, asking for help and then listening to what was actually said and then going and implementing it or doing the best that I could uh, to implement that and then appreciating and understanding that I was now on a and I always have been but on a on a journey of growth of um, I'm going to do it rubbish at the start but I will get better and as you get better you get more excited about the progress that you're making and it just spiralled upwards as I said just became better and better and it builds your confidence which is a great thing you actually know you can do it uh, even when it's a new situation which you haven't cracked before uh, because it's the same process and as businesses grow and you've made a great start here uh, but for me uh, there's more to come for you uh, and you'll have these challenges again in a different way but you build the confidence to know you can deal with it how important has been getting some outside help for you in this process of, of growth and success essential it's helped me to engage in the fact that in in order to become better, I need to change. In order to change the circumstances, I need to I need to develop. And if you accept that you need to grow, you accept that you need help. What you're saying is that the 
the current level of development that you have has not been enough to release release you into this vision of the way that you want life to be. Um, and so something needs to change. It needs to be different. Now, you could take a wild guess at what that might be that you need to fix, but there have been people who have gone there before who have done this already. What a coaching program does is it gathers those people together it gathers the concepts and the framework together and it provides this environment where you get to thrash out those ideas. You can test each of the concepts to their limit. You can completely disagree with them and tell a coach while they're wildly wrong. And through that process, you are engaging to really, more than anything, convince yourself of the truth that they hold. So why it's been so amazingly helpful for me is because it has provided a framework of all of the things that I haven't been doing or am not doing or have not been doing well enough um, and it gives me this limitless list of things that I can be doing to improve my business beyond that it gives me a priority order with which to work on first and that's invaluable so I'm not floundering around trying to fix some irrelevant aspect of my business that won't actually change the things that I'm trying to fix just because you're convinced that all change is good change. Um, which, it's not that that's wrong, but you, you do have scarcity, right? You've got limited time, limited resources, limited money. And so what you want to be doing is making sure that the energy and the, and the time that you spend on whatever it is that you're working on in your business is going to be as effective as possible. So that's hugely beneficial. And then you've got this extremely... Um, capable, competent, and huge knowledge base of, of other like-minded business people, business owners who are going through similar struggles as you, or they've already been through them, or they're about to go through something that you've already been through a year ago, and you get to solidify the learning by going and sharing some wisdom that you've gained along the journey. Um, so it's it changed my life, like no jokes. 100% serious, very sincere, and and not a pitch because I've been paid underneath the table. I, um, yeah, I staked my name on it. It, it was it was huge. Well, I think something that I mean, we had a few conversations uh, over the last couple of years. Um, you know, when when it's been tough, and uh, something that I think I've mentioned a couple of times is that you're going to write a really great story for your life. Uh, and um, listening to your story today and and over the last couple of years. Uh, you've started to write an amazing book. Maybe you're a third or a half through. I think there's a bunch more chapters to come uh, and you're going to see some amazing results in your business uh, and the impact that it'll have for you and the people who are close to you as well You know, over the next two to five years. Uh, so I think you should be really excited about that, mate. It has been an absolute pleasure hanging out today and I really appreciate your wisdom. Look, I can't wait to see, uh, see where this ends up for you, mate. So good luck with it and uh, it's been fun hanging out. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Next week on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. There's a secret killer in lots of service and tradie businesses and most people are missing this. It's low pricing and it will destroy your business. Tune into next week's episode where we pull back the curtain on how low pricing wrecks your business and what you need to do to make the right pricing decisions. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trading, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trading Podcast.